For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Paydirt Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin, and this week's episode is all about Penn State's wide receivers, both past and present to a degree, as this is going to be focusing on what the prototypical wide receiver has looked like during James Franklin's tenure in State College. Now, not only are we going to look at some of those players that we've seen over the years, the, the Chris Godwins, the KJ Hamlers, the Jahan Dotson, the list goes on and on, but we're also going to take a look at what this wide receiver core is going to look like for 2022 because some additions are really going to make things interesting and we all know about some of the stars that Penn State is going to be relying on. So what does that mean for Penn State obviously going into 2022? And we also have a fantastic interview, some insight on not only the wide receivers of James Franklin's tenure, but also the early stages of James Franklin's time as head coach at Penn State from former walk-on wide receiver Tyler Shoup, who provides, honestly, one of the most unique perspectives on basically 2015 to 2018 in Penn State's history, a really critical time for a lot of Penn State fans, obviously. And Tyler is, of course, the son of former Penn State defensive coordinator Bob Shoup. So there's a lot that we're going to get to dive into here on this episode, but this is all about wide receivers. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as the playoffs continue. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year with a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. I personally am a huge fan of the Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA. Funk Brewing has a lot of different styles and flavors for all types of beer drinkers. You into something heavy, they've got it. You into something flavorful, they've got it. You want something light, a session that you can enjoy with your buddies, they have got it. 50 plus options over time that they've created the fantastic people at Funk Brewing. So you can find Funk Brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer loving taste buds. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. You must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So I personally have really been fascinated by the evolution of the wide receiver position. I'm somebody that grew up as a Jerry Rice fan when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. So to see how that position has changed over time and evolved, not only at the professional level, but especially the collegiate level. One thing that has been very common for the era of James Franklin as head coach at Penn State is that 
you're not seeing wide receivers necessarily that look like former Georgia Tech wide receiver and former Detroit Lions great Calvin Johnson. These are not big hulking dudes who are really going to create matchup problems physically for defensive backs. What you're seeing is a lot of relatively smaller, I would say average size guys ranging from anywhere 5'10 to 6'3 at the max, sometimes 6'2. And these guys are anywhere from 190 pounds to 210 pounds. Lean, quick, sure-handed, great route running is basically what has been the staple of a Penn State wide receiver so long as James Franklin has been in Happy Valley. Now, there's been plenty of success with that. I think you can all look at the likes of Deshaun Hamilton, K.J. Hamler, Chris Godwin, who's got himself a Super Bowl ring, and as recent as Jahan Dotson and as upcoming as what we all believe Parker Washington to be. I think it's really been fascinating because it has also gone lock and step with the evolution of college football because you see that the position is turning into, not to call it a smaller man's position, but you need athletic guys who can create separation and do things in space. And especially for James Franklin's system, we saw the success with it this past year and years prior with Sean Clifford, is working zones. And there have been a lot of very intelligent wide receivers that have come through Haluba Hall and the Lash building and have been able to just be where they need to be in the right moments and to a degree be possession receivers. But then what we've seen as recent as this year, guys like Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington can be game breakers. And all those names I listed beforehand and plenty of others that go into Bill O'Brien and then Joe Paterno as well, that kind of fit that mold, but it's been very specific to what Penn State under James Franklin has looked for. I personally am very excited about the guys that are on the roster for Penn State as wide receivers. Um, as of today, recording this Tuesday, this will air on Wednesday, so you know, you never know if something changes. But we all know about Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith. Uh, Malik Mega is somebody who is actually an outlier that I was just talking about in terms of size. He's the largest guy height-wise on the roster at six foot four, runs about 200 pounds, but still you could see him add to his frame as he's only a redshirt sophomore. Uh, Liam Clifford, obviously the brother of Sean Clifford, is still on the roster, runs about 6'1", 200 pounds. And this is where some new faces start to get involved. Jan Mallert, who is out of, um, uh, uh, out of Germany, 5'11", 180 pounds. Harrison Wallace the third, 6'1", 190 pounds. Jason Estrella, 6'2", 180 pounds. And then some of the incoming freshmen, that Penn State is very excited about. Omari Evans, six foot, 170. Caden Saunders out of Columbus, Ohio, 5'10, 170 pounds. He can be a game breaker. So it's really going to be interesting to see where they push through. Mitchell Tinsley is somebody that I think may fly under the radar for a lot of Penn State fans. Now, we've talked about it here on the Pater podcast that I believe his transfer from Western Kentucky is going to be a bigger impact than Penn State fans believe. Um, he is a super senior, six foot one, 205 pounds. Um, he is somebody that when he was playing for Western Kentucky, uh, the quarterback there, for those that don't know, Bailey Zapp, basically set and broke every passing record for a college quarterback this past season. Mitchell Tinsley was the primary beneficiary. So a lot of people have got to be asking, all right, great, where does he fall into the depth chart? Well, we all know probably Parker Washington's going to be number one. I genuinely believe it's going to be a battle between Keandre Lambert-Smith and Mitchell Tinsley because Keandre Lambert-Smith, I think a lot of Penn State fans are waiting to see him take that leap. And with the departure of Dahan Dotson to the NFL, Lambert-Smith seems like the likely number two. And we saw flashes of what he can do, uh, especially in 2021. And 
he's a junior. So now is really the time for him to step up. Um, I mentioned Malik Mega. He got more playing time as the 2021 season went on. So you're going to see, I think, some fluctuation between two and four on the depth chart between Tinsley, Lambert Smith, and Malik Mega. Now, I wouldn't rule out Liam Clifford maybe getting into the mix just because of the familiarity he has with his brother. And we've done episodes in terms of what's going to happen at quarterback for Penn State football. It's kind of anybody's game. Uh, Sean Clifford certainly left the door open after the Outback Bowl. So whether or not that brother-to-brother connection will really matter, we'll have to see. And then, as I mentioned, it's a bevy of young freshmen, either straight-up freshmen, true freshmen, or redshirt freshmen, that are going to come in and try and fight for playing time. I think there's a lot of buzz around some of the recruits in this 2022 class, so we'll see if Evans and Saunders really are able to crack the lineup. But overall, you can see the common theme. You've got guys that are you know, obviously freshmen, so these guys are 17, 18 years old, 170 pounds, so much more that they can add to their frame. But the average guy is running about 6'1", 200 pounds. It's not anybody that is physically going to dominate a defensive back or really win those, you know, those 50-50 balls, those one-on-one battles. So there is a mold here. And frankly, it's worked for the time that James Franklin has been the head coach at Penn State. And it's just a matter of who's the next man up. It's been really fascinating. I mentioned the lineage that we've seen over time, and it just seems like every other year, or virtually every year, Penn State is sending a credible wide receiver in the first or second round of the NFL draft. Does the round that they go in necessarily mean the success they're going to have in the National Football Football League? Not necessarily. We've seen that before with a lot of different guys over the years, but there is a lot of promise for these athletes. So I'm very excited to see what Penn State fields this year because we talk about the struggles of the wide receiver of the uh, quarterback um, position and the need for some offensive line help. Well, everything goes you know, with the other. So uh, to give us a little bit of insight into this, I'm really excited about the guests that we have on this show because some of you may not know who he is, uh, a former walk-on wide receiver, which I know is very near and dear to the heart of my broadcast partner, Matt McGloin, who we send him uh, the best wishes. He's still on paternity leave. But with this, we get a very unique perspective Tyler Shoup, as I mentioned, walk-on wide receiver, spent the 2015 to 2018 seasons as a part of the team. Uh, as I mentioned, the lead-in, he is the son of Penn State former defensive coordinator Bob Shoup, who was there from 2014 to 2015. So his viewpoint on some of those names, those wide receiver names that I mentioned that walked through the building and competed with and he worked with is really fascinating. Uh, He and I both share a love of wrestling as well, and so that's going to be really cool to dive into. But at the same time, there's things that, as a walk-on, you get to be a fly on the wall for so many different scenarios, and especially Tyler got to see the proverbial rise of James Franklin, and especially that 2016 season where a Big Ten championship came home for Penn State. So I've got a lot of really cool questions for Tyler, and I just kind of want you all to learn what he saw and give us a little bit of a scoop as to what's going on with these wide receivers over the year and over the years and basically what he learned from them. So we're going to dive into that right now here on the Pater Podcast. But before that, I want to let you know that all of us involved in the Pater Podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. 
Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. And in case you weren't aware already, Thon intends to hold Thon Weekend 2022 in person from February 18th through the 20th at the Bryce Jordan Center in University Park, Pennsylvania. To learn more about Thon Weekend 2022 or to donate, visit thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like. Post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. The very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Joining me now here on the Patriot Podcast, it is former Penn State wide receiver Tyler Shoup. Tyler, I am really excited that you and I can make this work. Uh, you and I obviously have Penn State in common, but we also have professional wrestling in common. So I am going to touch on that at a point. But right now, just for the fans at home that, hey, you know, there might be some people that don't necessarily recall what your time at Penn State was all about. You spent a significant amount of time there. In fact, it was at a really critical time when James Franklin was just arriving and just getting things going uh, in State College. So what was your experience like in a nutshell? Uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Tom. Uh, my experience at Penn State was pretty unbelievable. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be there. At a time, we were very successful. I had some really good players around me. And, I mean, I can't say enough good things about coaching staff, my teammates, and really just the whole Penn State community. I, I love Penn State, man. I mean, I was um, – for those who don't know, I mean, people usually recognize me, Penn State people specifically, because my last name. So a lot of people know my last name uh, – my dad, Bob Shoup, he mm -hmm. was the defensive coordinator when I was a uh, freshman there. So that's that was really kind of the reason why I came to Penn State – I had some uh, smaller uh, places, uh, smaller schools I could have probably had an opportunity to play at. I uh, just, which I, I actually very strongly considered too. But uh, kind of towards, uh, where it was really towards the end of my senior year, right around actually, I think it was the Pinstripe Bowl. I don't know if you remember that. I remember you went that, to that one. Game. Yep. Yeah, yeah they had the Pinstripe Bowl. I kind of went, I went with my dad. We stayed at the team hotel. And a lot of guys there like really kind of took me in, took me under their wing and were, tell me positive things like we want you to walk on here like like you fit in well with us like we love it at Penn State you you love it here so um they kind of were like so I I thought about it I considered a little bit They're like how about you take a visit up here we got a couple of official visit weekends coming up some unofficial visit weekends for our uh, walk-ons and young underclassmen so I thought about it. I'm like all right I'll take a visit up there because I had never really I've been to uh one game against Michigan State they got slaughtered which wasn't a great time <laughs> but uh so then I went up there in uh, the spring of my senior high school year and uh, I stayed with Amani Urarie. I'm, I might be, I mean, his last name's tough to say. Don't get me wrong. He's I tearing it up for the Lions. I believe right playing now. for the Detroit Lions at the moment. Oh, he's tearing it up. He had six or seven interceptions this year. He had a great year. Fortunately, he got hurt, cut it short. And uh, Koa Farmer, they both kind of, those are my two older brothers. They kind of both took me under their wing, showed me the whole Penn State community. 
And like, I, I mean, I fell in love with it on my first visit there. And I was like, yeah, I got to come walk on here, be a part of this place. So my co-host, Matt McGloin, is obviously not able to be with us uh, for this interview, but uh, he is a fellow walk-on. So mm-hmm. how different is life really for walk-ons versus scholarship players in your own Well, it's, it is, it's, it's different. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you're going through, okay. So some, the outside looking in, it's like, oh, walk-ons, you just practice squad guys. No, that's not really how it is. Yes. I mean, we go through the same workouts. We're going through the same thing. Everyone's doing. Um, I'm not going to lie. There's, there's sometimes it sucks. I don't know if you've ever seen on Twitter or heard of Lions Den, the Lions Den, it's kind of like the Oklahoma drill, the three on three. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, yeah. Okay. So I think at Penn State, I might be the all time most, I, I think I lead Penn State history in appearances in the Lions Den. Oh, it's wow. kind of like the open up practice, all the walk ons, non travel guys kind of hop in there, do hit the Oklahoma drill, fire everyone up before practice. I would say four years of being on the, non-travel being a walk-on for four years you could you, you tend to be in there a couple times so i don't know what exactly my record is but i definitely think i might have the most appearances in there and then uh on sundays a walk-on it's a good walk-on experience so uh sundays during the season we have non-travel scrimmages they're called so we call them the dirty show the dirty show so it's all the red okay. shirt guys and the walk-ons basically scrimmaging and uh, I think through four years, I mean, I played four years of the Dirty Show, which is not not incredibly impressive stat. Maybe you want to share, but I think I might be the leading receiver in Dirty Show history. So I will take that. I'm proud of that. I, uh, I mean, I'm the leading. I, I got to say, I got to lead the uh, Penn State in history of uh, Lions Den appearances. So there's stuff like that where it's a little bit extra stuff that you got to do. But I mean... I was there every day. I learned, I got the same coaching tips, got went through the same workouts that every other player did. And I mean, I can't say anything negative about my experience at Penn State, honestly, as a walk on. Like, you get the best, both, best of both worlds. Yeah. Maybe you're not playing as much, but I got to go to a big school. I got to go play and be a part of the Rose Bowl team, be a part of a Fiesta Bowl team. I have a Big Ten championship ring, so I can't really complain at all. I do want to ask you about that Big Ten title because that is obviously very, very important uh, in Penn State football history and especially in the James Franklin's tenure. But uh, you, you mentioned you, your dad was on the staff at the time. What was that like playing for your dad? So he, my dad actually was only there for my freshman year. So he was actually not a part of the Big Ten championship team. Okay. But that was, I mean, it was, it was weird. It was, it was different. I think I, maybe in like fifth or fourth grade, I, I played for his baseball team. So that was really the only time I uh, very different my dad before. Very yeah, different. Little, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the only experience I had prior to that playing for my dad. But it, I mean, it was it was definitely uh, it was definitely cool because I mean, my freshman year playing on the scout team, I'm uh, going against my dad's defense. So I mean, we're get, supposed to be giving him a good look against his defense, which that year, I mean, that year that defense was legit, man. I mean, they had Zettel. AJ, Jordan Lucas. I mean, there's tons of NFL talent on that defense from my freshman year. Um, I mean, they were really, really good. And uh, so it's, it was just kind of different. I mean, like I'm on, playing scout team, running a post route, crossing my dad's face right across the field. I mean, it's, it was fun. It was cool. Um, I mean, he, he, short, he went to Tennessee after that. Uh, he was at Mississippi State for a little bit after that. So he's, I mean, he's one of the best in the biz. I think he's, he actually just got hired down at USF. He's a Beautiful. defensive coordinator for South Florida now. So, I mean, he's, in my opinion, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. He's a great role model to me. I mean, it, it was awesome getting to play for my dad. 
That's really cool. That's always something special, man. When you hear about family ties, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. So you mentioned the Big Ten title victory, 2016. That mm-hmm. was a magical season, and you had a front row yeah. seat for it. Yeah, in a, in a literally, nutshell. literally, I had a front row seat for all those games. I mean, literally, um, but like, what was that team like? No, that that was a funny year, man. Because because the year before we went, to, uh, that was the year we went to the Tax Slayer Bowl. We were about, I think, a seven and six. I want to say. So we were just okay coming off that year and going into the season, obviously we're like, all right, we got, or we had a new offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead. And uh, I mean, we, we obviously every team's like, oh yeah, we go into every game. We should win this game. We should win this game. Um, confidence, confidence is everything to me. Um, but so we were, I think two and four, maybe two and three. We got slaughtered by Michigan. We lost the pit that year. If you remember mm, that was um, a rough one. <laughs> So we're like, time we kinda, State yeah, fans no, were was, cringing yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. Um, so we were kind of like, gosh, shit. I mean, maybe we're not that good. And then uh, it was an overtime win against Minnesota where we, I mean, one the thing that really, I mean, uh, you guys were talking about, I did my homework. I listened to the last couple episodes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you guys putting over Dwight Galt, who just retired. I mean, he's one of the best in the biz too. I learned a lot. I mean, I'm a strength coach now. I've learned a lot of the stuff I still do. I just learned from him and his staff. Um, one thing that I think we're really good at is you guys were talking about, uh, I think uh, Matt was talking about just guys that were in great shape and the conditioning is why they won yes. so many games. I think Dwight Gall is a huge key to our success as a team the last couple of years. But I also think something that was uh, something that brought us together and made us so successful is how close of a team we were. And uh, around the Minnesota game, I don't remember the old kicker, Joey Julius. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you remember. Joe, yeah, yeah. yeah there's a big, there's like a 15-yard penalty. They took a cheap shot at Joe Julius in that Minnesota game. And I think right around then, the whole team, like, we knew how close we were. Like, even when we lost the pit, even when we lost the Michigan, we still stayed real tight. And we kind of really rallied around when uh, they kind of tar- went after Joe. And that Minnesota game, I mean, we kind of, took over and or not we didn't take i don't remember the, how the second half went completely but we really turned things around as a team i'd say that game it really came together and then a, a week or two later we played ohio state and that's when we had the whiteout game with the block field goal that we turned for touchdown and that's when we really gained that i talked about earlier confidence is key like we really gained the confidence that we are as good as any team in the country right there and then we got really hot towards the end of the season so that offense especially was loaded. Some all-time great oh, Penn State players. So for your role within the offense, obviously you're there kind of helping these guys get ready week to week or even at times maybe even taking reps with certain teams depending on need. Mm-hmm. What was it like being around that level of talent? I mean, I think competition is really what makes you better and playing against people that are better than you is really what makes you better. So that's why I was so fortunate and that's why I really got I – mean, that's why I say I don't regret anything about Penn State. I got better every single year just because I was going against guys that were better. I mean, as a walk-on, you're going against guys that are more talented than you. So you it pushes you to st- take a step up to the next level. So that's what was the most fun. I love competition. I mean, every day of practice, attack, whoever I'm at going against, scholarship, non-scholarship, doesn't really matter to me. I just got to – I mean, as long as you believe you're going to beat the man across from me, I mean, that's, that's really all that matters to me. I mean, you got Saquon. You have Trace. <laughs> Um, and then uh, specifically for you in regards to wide receivers that you worked with over the years, which wide receiver do you think you maybe learned the most from, or at least just kind of um, working with geez, them was really, really fun, you know? Yeah, no, uh, a lot of, I mean, 
there's a ton of, I mean, Chris Godwin obviously is tearing it up for the Bucks. Deshaun Hamilton had an injury this offseason. So he's, they, uh, and so did KJ Hamler, but KJ was a little bit younger than me. Um, I mean, Godwin was a guy that really just kind of came in and worked his ass off every single day. He kind of, he wasn't the most vocal or louder, louder guy on the team, but he, he came in, he, he worked his ass off. He was quiet and then he just, he just got it done on the field. So, I mean, I, I always respected Godwin. I always respected Hammy, uh, Saeed, Blacknall, Jawan Johnson's playing tight end right now for the Saints. Those are yeah, all guys yeah. that I kind of went, Jawan was in my class, but those are all guys that I really kind of followed after and really was able to create a relationship with and become a better receiver because of them. And, and obviously the talent was fantastic. And you mentioned before Joe Moorhead, he is beloved by Penn State fans because of yeah, what yeah. that offense accomplished that season. Mm -hmm. um, do you agree with those Penn State fans who are pining for Joe Moorhead to maybe one day find his way back to Happy Valley or upset that Joe Moorhead was allowed to leave the program? Uh, see, I kind of, I mean, I, I'm a little biased, obviously, because of my dad. So I see the, I see it a little bit more as like a business. I see it like, of course, differently than how fans see it. So I get it. I mean, I obviously like if I was a Penn State fan, I would love to have Joe Moorhead back. I'd love to have my if I was a Penn State fan, I'd love to lobby for to have my dad back as a defensive coordinator. I think uh, James Franklin does a hell of a job uh, running a program. I've been around a lot of football programs in my life. And I think one thing that James Franklin does better is he has an idea in his head. And he has it set in his head what he wants and he kind of runs it exactly like he wants it to. And he, he puts people in the right position to be successful. And that's why. For the most part, since at least I've been there, they've had some success. And for the record, nothing against the current offensive coordinator, Mike Yursich. I think he's the right mm -hmm. man for the job. He's got a great track record. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned James Franklin. Obviously, between 2020 and 2021, his record is 500. A mm -hmm. lot of complications due to COVID-19. So you understand mm -hmm. that, especially for the 2020 season. This past year, obviously disappointing to a lot of Penn State fans, but you got to see the rise of James Franklin and obviously right. his high watermark with that Big Ten title game. Do you think the you know the polarizing nature of him as head coach is justified? Do you think he's misunderstood? Do you think it's accurate? Um, I mean, like I said before, I think he does a really, really good job of running a program. I think that the last two years have been a little bit different. They're going through a little bit of change. I mean, I, I watched the game last week against the ten, uh, the Arkansas. It's it's weird because I feel like I, I a lot of the guys on the team are gone that I knew. So it's a different group of guys out there playing. Like obviously Clifford's there, and Clifford's. I mean, people. I, I, I mean, people tweet at Clifford all the time. I think Clifford's a hell of a competitor. I mean, I always respected that about him. Mm -hmm. I, he likes to. He loves to win and hates to lose. So I mean. I, I am a, I'm a fan of Sean Clifford. I'm a fan of Franklin. Uh, all the guys on that team, they uh, continue to work their ass off and compete. Uh, Twitter, tweet, Twitter, fans on Twitter are going to tweet. They're going to say whatever they want. They're never going to be happy. So it's, it's tough. It's a tough crowd. Well, and he's got a big contract extension, so he's going to be does, around yeah. for a little while, and we'll see what Sean Clifford and company are able to do. Uh, you, you mentioned Sean. He's got a lot of competition uh, at quarterback this season. Um, Christian Veyu, the Canadian, the backup, is uh, you know, showing some promise. He looked good in the game against Rutgers. Is he number nine? He's number nine, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then Drew okay. Lahr is incoming. He's a highly touted recruit. Bo Perbula mm -hmm. is getting comparisons athletically to Trace McSorley. So you – mentioned a lot of the guys that you were in the same wide receiver room with, or it's like, that mm -hmm. is a very talented, deep room of receivers. Mm -hmm. So looking at an equally talented quarterback room, 
how difficult is it to break out and take the starter job at a school like Penn State? Uh, it really, I mean, it starts at winter workouts, which they got coming up. Uh, I don't, I mean, I assume, uh, Chuck Losey's not going to change them up too differently. I guess they have changed a little because when I was doing the winter workouts, we had them at 5 a.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays. You're, you're on the field at 5 a.m. You're, you're there at 445. Like we're starting right at 5 a.m. If you're not there at 445, you're late. So I guess they've gone a little bit later than that. I'm not sure what the new NCAA rules are or anything. But that's really where the competition starts. They want to kind of weed those guys out in the winter. I mean, Luba Hall uh, got some bad memories in that place, pushing sleds at five in the morning. Um, but that's really where the competition starts. And Clifford will be a great leader for those guys. I mean, I'm not sure exactly how the competition is going to go for the quarterback battle, but he'll show those guys the way. He'll show them how to do it right. I mean, he'll show the whole, the whole team how to do it right. Because he, I mean, he's there since we've been doing them that early. So. It's uh, it, there's a lot of competition, man. So you're you're talking yeah. about some of these, you know, dog days of winter, I guess, so to speak. What yeah. are some of the more like, I don't know, like funny memories? Like some of those memories where it is a grind, but like, hey, you got your boys by it, and it just made things go by a little bit easier, a little easier. Do you have any like anecdotes from from like uh, your time in Pennsylvania? Winter work. Uh, I got plenty. Um, but uh, from winter workouts, I mean, I we all got our ass kicked at those. I mean. We got about t- uh, five weeks. There's 10 total. They're in like February to March. We got a uh, winter. Wor- these are, they're called winter workouts. They're five. A- I mean, they were in 5 a.m. They're like five or six stations. They're just trying to kick your ass. Uh, we do a little bit of individual and then we do con- competition and conditioning at the end. Uh, I don't have any ton of, ton of great stories. We actually got some snow down in Knoxville right now. The best story about a winter workout right now is when somehow by the grace of God, State Penn State canceled school one day, canceled classes and canceled all activities. So one day a winter workout got canceled. And I remember like it was Tuesday. We lived in Nittany Apartments. Most of the football players live in Nittany Apartments, their sophomore, junior year. So I just remember like we got the text that uh, school activities are canceled tomorrow morning. So we got that text from our uh, football director of football operations that we don't have work winter workouts at 5 a.m. And I just remember guys going out and sub like we were we were ecstatic that we did not have to wake up at 4 a.m. the next morning. We got the day off to ourselves. So I think we had a pretty good time that night, that day. We, we made up for it for sure. But um, just I mean, I got. I got I me mean, the winter workouts themselves, they suck, but they do really kind of make you like I. I said earlier that I think that the reason we were so successful is in how good a shape we were and how close we mm-hmm. were. So I think that kind of all ties back to the winter workouts. Like we, we were pushed to our limits for sure. I mean, there's still to this day, the hardest things I've ever done was waking up that early and pushing sleds, cone drills, reaction drills, like all that stuff. I mean, it's that's to this day, the hardest thing I've ever done. And there's, I mean, that's where you really kind of weed out who really wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. And uh, for the most part, we had a great group of guys there that were super competitive and, really really had each other's back so that that's really the winter workouts are really what i think the key to our success were for a long long time so uh you you touched on a few moments ago that nowadays you're living in knoxville tennessee and that brings me back to my initial point of kind of how you and i started talking in the first place not only do we have penn state in common but we also have professional wrestling in common so you and i actually started talking when i was still with wwe and you have actually pursued professional wrestling as a wrestler uh, after school, what has that yep. journey been like for you? Uh, it's been, I mean, it's been awesome. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I've, I mean, I love wrestling. Like 
wrestling is my passion. Like, yeah, I, I like football, but I mean, you're talking, I was listening to you, you were talking about the na- last week was the first time you ever watched the national championship. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would watch, if there's a pay per view on Sunday night, I'm watching that over Sunday night football. Like, that's always got, what's up, Brett? Sorry, my roommate just walked in. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a wrestling fan. Like, I love wrestling. I'm choosing, I'm watching, uh, Last night I'm watching Monday Night Raw over the playoff game. Like uh, wrestling's really kind of always would have been what I've loved. So after football, I kind of was like, well, "What's next? Got to figure something out." So I've, I mean, I've always kind of had my eye on how to break into the business, anything like that. So I kind of was looking online. The JPWA Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy. It's in Knoxville, Tennessee, coached by Dr. Tom Pritchard and uh, owned by Glenn Jacobs, aka Kane. I kind of, they only had one class prior to when I started. They had a couple people starting in 2019 and I looked it up. I I wanted to uh, learn how to be a wrestler. So I kind of reached out to Dr. Tom. I applied to the school and next thing I knew I was here in uh, August, right after I graduated college, I started training to become a professional wrestler. And uh, as I was here, that's when I kind of were attached to the D1. So that's kind of how D1 kind of got tied into it. I reached out to the, I knew I had a connection to D1. So I actually started training there, started training different kinds of athletes there. So I really grew up uh, or I, uh, so I was training there all summer, wrestling, uh, working all summer. And then I kind of started doing a couple of indie shows down South. And then that's when COVID hit. And then, uh, I mean, the Indies were shut down for a long time. Yeah, so it was yeah. Real tough to get anywhere. So that's really when I tr- transitioned to becoming more of a strength coach full time. And I really started to get, more serious about studying and uh getting different certifications to uh, help my clients improve and help myself improve as a coach and uh i've really come a long way i mean i i took a i actually went back to austin p university it's a clark it's in clarksville tennessee i coached football there as a graduate assistant for a semester for a season and then i went and worked in ut's weight weight room for as an intern for a semester so that was all really good experience that kind of benefited me as a coach because i do a little bit of skill development for football as well as the strength and conditioning aspect. And it's been, I mean, it's been great. I mean, right now I kind of train, like I said earlier, athletes, kindergarten to senior citizens. But right now what I'm really kind of focused on is uh, training my wrestlers. I actually got one of the best wrestlers in the country right now. I don't know how many, uh, you mentioned Jay White earlier on, uh, I saw on this podcast earlier. Oh yeah, today that, uh, this finished. coming weekend. I don't know how many. Recording this, I'm gonna get to call some of his matches for Impact. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know how many Penn State football podcasts Jay White's been brought up on. It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> First time ever. But yeah, yeah. So like, I'm training a couple of wrestlers right now that I think are phenomenal. I have a very very bright future. I think I mentioned earlier Jake Tucker. He's a, he's a freaking stud, man. I mean, he gets it. He's put his he's put the work in. I've never seen someone put the work in promos, looking the part, and being able to back it up in the ring. There's there's no one like him out there on the indies right now. He's going to get a shot real, real, real soon. Uh, I got a couple other guys. Max Abel, he's crushing everyone down south right now. And uh, Eric Kubiak, he's tearing it up in the northeast. I can't put the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy over enough. They got tons of guys right now that are training there. AJ Kazana. He's a Southern Pride Championship. I keep telling him I'm going to come back and beat him in a Northern Pride Championship. I'm the I'm the Northern Pride Champion. That's that's going to be uh that's going to be happening real soon. I think one of my favorite. But, uh, no, they got a tons of guys down there. 
One of my favorite things in the, the history of wrestling, I'm a big Lance Storm fan from back in the WCW days when he yep. rebranded all the championships that he won with the Canadian flag. So anytime somebody can do that yep. and take a little ownership of it and put their spin exactly. on it, I, I think it's awesome, man. So, uh, well, listen, dude, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I got to get your prediction for Penn State 2022. How do you think, how do you think things are going to shake out? Um, 2022. Uh, you guys were going over the record this or You guys are going over the, uh, schedule last week um i i, I mean I, I think you guys had them at seven and five eight and four yeah, i, I had worse them, I, six I got and them six. beating for, that purdue that purdue game is interesting week one yes that is going to be a good game because purdue's coming up i mean i my my roommates both are seniors in tennessee so i've been busting their chops all week about the big 10 and purdue beating them um but uh i'm i mean i it's, it's weird because like i don't know a ton of the guys on the team anymore so it's it's really tough for me to call. I mean, I anywhere from that seven and five to nine and three record. If I really sat down and, and uh, looked at it, it might be easier for me to tell. Uh, I'm gonna go probably. I'm, I'm gonna go on the upside, nine and three. I like the optimism. That's perfect. That's yeah. the way to look at things. Tyler, thank yeah. you very much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.